Welcome to the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop. Chopping up the good, the bad, the insane movies, TV shows of the horror and supernatural genre. With games, trivia, facts, and more. Hello, horror fans, ghouls, and ghosts. Happy holidays season, and welcome to... The third episode of season two of the Horror Supernatural Shop Shop with your host, me, as always, Zach, Mr. Eyeliner, straight back from the grave, and my horror-loving, living dead girl beauty co-host, Elle Sparkly Sparks. Hello, Elle. Hello, Zach. How are you tonight? I am great. How are you doing for episode three? I'm excited for this one. As am I. So, on this episode... Before I want to get into what we're going to review, we will we're going to be slashing into all the holiday time horror films after this one, starting episode four for the rest of the month. Listeners, we are we have a whole list planned, and we're going to be talking about them. But tonight we're going to be talking about yes, yet another twenty 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 two horror film, and it's because in my, our opinion, twenty twenty two has been. What one of the best fucking years and decades and many, 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 many years of a straight year of great horror films, big and small. I think that 2022 has been almost like a horror comeback. Yeah, it's gotten us back into any genre of horror, thriller, sci-fi, supernatural theme, Christmas horror, everything, you know? I couldn't have said it better myself. So yeah, tonight we, we felt like it, before we get into all the Christmas horror movies that not we're going to love them all, but we have to. We're going to review them. We're going to talk about them 100% like we have. But tonight, this is going to be our last one of the year before we get into the rest of the holiday films. And tonight's film is going to be the 2022 horror film, Barbarian, written and directed by Zach Kreger from, as you might know, the great whitest kids you know yeah canadian bunch of go- like goopy guys over there that don't wake up your neighbors don't wake up your neighbors and other great things like supersize me but with like a whiskey and stuff like that and this guy has been actually like he has been writing stuff for years this is actual this is solo screenwriting and, and directorial uh, debut i was so shocked that when i found out was he's did the one this movie because this movie was getting so much acclaim before I even saw it. I'm like, wow. Um, I don't know if you know this. He actually has his wife in here as well. Who's his wife? Actually, I don't know. I... Sarah Paxton. She plays Megan. It's a very small part. Oh, yeah. Is that Sarah Paxton? Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. This guy married Sarah Paxton? Yes, he did. Ah, kudos on this one. <laughs> oh, my God. Like I, yeah, I was just so shocked to learn that because the film was like I like my buddy saw it in the theaters the same week me and him went to go see uh, the same day actually he saw this earlier in the day because he works in the city and he saw this by himself and uh, we and him went to see the new Clerks three movie he got his tickets for with a Q and A with Kevin Smith and I'm like oh, maybe I should have saw Barbarian instead you know and I'm like damn it but once it came available which it is now streaming on HBO Max everyone so you can see it very easily uh, but yeah it's it, it's so fucking it was so interesting to me. And um, I never actually saw that, that one actress, Georgina Campbell, like, who's in, you know, who's just, like, pretty much the main star of the movie. She was great in this movie. 
Um, then you got Bill Skarsgård and, of course, Justin Long, which I have a lot to say about Justin Long in this, this whole podcast, you know. Uh, I'm just going to say that Justin Long was not the first choice for this role. No, he wasn't. But Zach he, Efron was. Uh, and I, I, come on. Zach Efron would have sucked in this role compared to Justin Long. I'm just saying that, that this role was first offered to Zach Efron, but he turned it down. I'm so grateful he turned it down because Justin Long plays Justin Long in this, and you need that, he, you know? He play, yes, he plays his character quite well. Yeah, so without giving any of that away too easily and fastly, we're going to say that the plot basically, to sum it up, um, you know, it's the plot sees this woman, and she's going out to Detroit, which is like, people have to question why is someone else going out to Detroit, right? Well, Detroit, a few years back, um, they got Detroit was a dead city for many, many years, and Hollywood got tax breaks, and they really kind of run Detroit at this point, and it's got a, it's, it's, it's revived now. But Hollywood makes a lot of films, such as The Batman and stuff like that, in Detroit because the tax breaks help a lot with these companies. So, the plot sees this woman that we get introduced to, and finding out that she's going to a rental house in Detroit. And she has reserved, you know, it but by accident. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. And, and you find out accidentally it's been double booked with a man while not knowing a dark secret with the dwelling of what goes on inside the house. So that's kind of the premise. But we're going to go into the actual review in a second. But, yeah, I think, like, this is going to be a good segue movie for us, Elm, for us to then get into, like, okay, it's going to be a whole next Two, two podcasts a week for us to do horror Christmas films and oh my god I work in stores I have to hear Christmas music all day so I think this is a good good surprise for me to have to do this one you know? mm-hmm. yes I've been waiting to do this one all week yeah this is going to be a good one alright so it's the start of Barbarian here guys they, coming into a town for a job interview we get introduced to Tess Marshall who books this remote house in a rundown Brighton Moore neighborhood of Detroit, which is actually a real place in Detroit. I've been to Detroit and it's, yeah, when I was in Detroit, you probably don't ever want to leave your car when you go to Detroit. And upon arriving at the house, Tess finds out the place has been double booked and is already occupied by a young, handsome man, I have to say. And, you know, that's what most reviews were describing as. Yes, handsome man named Keith. Keith is played by Bill Skarsgård, you know, our resident new. Pennywise, and as I go back in time, Hemlock Grove. And initially unnerved by Keith, Tess warms up to him. And, you know, she decides to stay like He's, like, actually, like, one of the nicest guys in, like, any movie I've ever seen. Like, he's Tess, polite. Tess is put off by him because Bill does this this thing he acts very shady she leaves the room he's kind of watching down the hall he it's bill skarsgård you guys so obviously he's gonna rub you the wrong way yeah but it is just saying bill skarsgård wait you're right you really are right like he has that like you can't ever really believe he he seems like the the, the best con artist because he's pretty and you can believe anything that comes out of his mouth, but you can see nothing is true that comes out of his mouth kind of stuff. It's his eyes. It's the way this character carries himself. And 
just the simple fact that he's always trying to offer her something to eat, always trying to offer her something to drink. And she's oh, very he, like, yeah, oh, my God, what the like, hell? I, I, but even like that one scene, like, I didn't want to open the champagne because I didn't want you to think, you know, and. Just like, him saying that makes yeah. it suspicious. Like, if I said that to you and you just met me, I wouldn't expect you to drink the champagne with me anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why she doesn't do it, because it's like kind of like, what the hell? But like over over time, you know, his charm and her charm, they mix, they they get they start to develop a friendship kind of thing through the night, and I think there's kind of a underlying romance between them, but it's never you know experienced, explored. Yeah, and she goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. You think they'd be that kiss, but it's not. They both go to sleep. She closes her door, but yet she wakes up hearing a noise, and her door is open now. And she's hearing him now in his room, like having nightmares. And she goes to wake him up and he freaks the fuck out. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? You know, like, did you open my door? No, I didn't open your door. Like, it was like, okay, you know. So, like, at this point in the movie, watch it. You don't know. Like, Keith could, be, you know, this could be any kind of movie at this point, you know. Keith, Keith could be a, a total whack job. You don't know. Yeah, there's no... They did a good job not really giving us anything at this point. They really do. Honestly, the, when I first watched this, I was like, okay, yeah, Skarsgård's going to kill her. That that was my first instinct. Yeah, I, I 100%, like, when I saw it, I thought, like, Skarsgård was going to be, like, for the full throttle ride, becoming, like, the psychopath, you know? Right. And then, yeah, so next day arrives, next morning arrives with me, and... um. Keith leaves a nice little note for her. He leaves for a day and, te- and wishes her good luck. And Tess goes on her interview. And I love that when she gets her interview, the woman interviewing her sternly warns her that she should not be staying in the area of the Airbnb she's staying at. She seems very concerned for Tess's safety. Uh, very shaken up that she is in this area of Detroit. Yeah, it's like, okay. She, do- she doesn't say anything. She just yeah. seems very off-put. Maybe give me some more info, you know, as the, if I was Tess, I would like more info. I, I would definitely have asked more, but Tess really plays it off as, well, I have this, this housemate and it's going well, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't really pick up on the oddness between her and, and her interviewer. No, and she also declares that she's tough. She's tough, you know, you yes. don't know where she's from. She's tough. All right, cool. She's a tough girl. She can kiss my ass. All right. And then. Which we do see later in the movie. Yeah, she's she's not like a, you know, she is a tough girl. I and mean, when she returns to the house, it's like, I love that scene where she gets out of the car and you do that kind of music sound where like something's going to happen, but nothing happened. But that all of a sudden, and you see from far a distance, like this guy, this homeless man, like slowly chasing down to her, to the house. And she's trying to open the door with the key. He's like, let me get it. You know, he's like, oh, the one that's yelling, little girl, don't go in there. Yeah. Like, hey, little girl. Get out of that house. Get out of that house. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. This is like, if you watch any horror movie, wait till he goes away, then get out of the house. That's what I would have done. Honestly, I would have waited or tried to go out the back door. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I know he's a, I know, like, I don't know this dude. He's a homeless looking dude. It's Detroit. There's a lot of them. And that happens, but. The dude is trying to help you, and at this point, I can't trust him. Maybe I can, but go out the back door, get in your car, go the fuck back home. You had your interview already. She'll call you tomorrow. You come back for the job, you know? 
exactly. I mean, I understand why she stayed in the house. She's not used to this area. She's from, I think, another state, actually. Yeah. So, she, you know, she's very scared. She's got this crazy guy outside. She feels safe inside this house, which actually she is more more in danger inside this house. I agree. 100%. Like, it's like there's going to be danger ahead. It's it's when somebody wants you not to go somewhere, there's going to be danger there. And forever the fuck reason, when she's back in the house, why do you venture into the basement? You know, I never understood why she went down there in the first place. Yeah, it's like, all right, I'm going to the basement now. Let's Did she maybe hear a sound that I didn't pick up on? Yeah, she heard a sound, but it was like the littlest of sounds. But if I hear a sound from my basement, like I'm not going to go down there. It's like, it could be a rat. It could be this. It could be a, I don't, like, I don't own this house. It's Airbnb in this. It could be like fucking girls chained up to the walls. I don't want to see any of that, you know? For all she knew, it could have been Keith down in the basement. Maybe, yeah. But when she gets down there, the door suddenly locked. She's like, and she's locked down there, and she stumbles upon this hidden corridor. Mm-hmm. There, and that's when she finds a room with a camcorder, a and stain. A bed. Yes, no, a stain mattress. Actually, my dear, a stain mattress, and a oh, and the bucket. Yeah, that is that has to be the weirdest thing you could find yeah you find a bucket a stained bed and a camcorder no i'm out you know in this room that is very very disgustingly dirty plus there's a bloody handprint on the wall yes thank you and she's backtracks and tries to leave but it's still locked in the basement then so she she's finds... freaking out she's frantic yeah she what does she find an open door space no uh-uh and she's starting to walk over to it and what did she say? Nope. A word that we've had very famous this year from the movie Nope, and is I think it's going to be in our dictionary now as a great horror word in horror movies. Personally, I think I would have been like, oh, hell no. But <laughs> she just says nope. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know what? She, like, you know, she's, she's freaking out. She's just, what's going on? And then Keith, she's hearing someone bang. It's Keith. She, he arrives. Window scene from the basement opens it up for her. They're together now. Tess tells Keith what she has seen in detail. You know, like basically, you're, she says words like the bucket, the camera, the bed. That should at least creep you out, Keith. Come on now, buddy. But I can understand where Keith is like, it, it, it's a basement. You know, this is, it's just a room full of junk. Yeah, corridors. Corridors, hidden rooms, uh, it's a lot, you know? This is another point where I thought, okay, he's definitely up to something because he's, like, totally downplaying this whole weird room that she's describing to him, and he's yeah, exactly. down. And then when he, like, listen, stay here, please, in case I get locked in, and he goes down there to investigate it, she waits mm-hmm. a little time, doesn't hear she from asks him. him. She does ask him, do you see it? He says yes. It's yeah, it's completely like okay, and when she doesn't hear back from him, Tess returns downstairs again, discovers that the hidden corridor she had initially found. Now, now you get the subterranean, I, the best way to describe it, tunnel, like where she hears Keith from a distance screaming for help. 
screaming for help, screaming for help constantly. She goes after her, trying to help Keep. She finds the tunnel. That's when I thought like Keep was gonna like have like two other guys, and it was gonna be like this whole snuff kind of scenario, you know. Mm-hmm. And she finds Keep injured, and that then all of a sudden, Nikhil, he's explaining to her somebody like, bit him. Yeah, someone bit him. Help me, and we're not going that way. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's What's behind him? What's behind him though? It is a naked, deformed woman who then brutally kills Keith by smacking and banging his head across the fucking whatever you call it. It could be rock the wall. Stone, it's a, it's stone a stone wall. Walk. Yeah. And it oh, I loved it. His head just crushed like a Oh, she, she kept going and going. All you see is like these big fucking nasty, like, you know. Jelly weird. brains. Yeah. And ugh, it's like, okay. And at that point, and part one of this movie in a lot of my opinion and part one of this movie is i mean i know you you don't think it turns into a different movie it doesn't but in my opinion it turns into the second part of this movie this turns- is where zach and i kind of differ on our opinions zach has more of the uh the thought that th- this gives it more of a two movie type deal to me it doesn't but you guys make your own assumptions I, I think it makes it a two movie that goes back into the first movie and it, it ties everything together. That's why I really wanted to say. Okay, I just see it as another part of the story coming to the meeting. Point. Oh, because after like this, it goes to black, right? And we just start hearing this happy music. We see sunset. We're it's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different world. We're obviously in California. <laughs> yep, we're obviously in California, and we get introduced to. The actor AJ Gilbride, played by the always amazing Justin Long, who was uh, the greatest, I think, should be in the record books as the greatest, perfect douchebag, scumbag of greatness in any role he wants to be that in, because he is pulling off another Tusk girl, or he's the scumbag of all scumbags. He really is a piece of crap in this movie. Yeah, because he's like all happy, singing along in the car, and Gets the phone call from his agents being all positive. And they discuss something that came up. And he learns that he's been fired from his television show due to rape allegations made by the co-star. That bitch, I bought her in. I was the first one signed. Not to, and they're saying, don't tell, don't, don't say any, don't talk to us. Like, don't tell us any of this. We don't want to know. You know, they're like, this could not be in your favor. Don't tell us any of this, you know? Now, you know, Zach, at first, I, I sympathized for him. I thought that this was just another girl trying to pretty much Amber Heard this boy. Like, you know what I mean? I understand that, yeah. And then you do find out later that, yeah, he is the douchebag that you didn't want him to be. Yeah. And that's, like, when he goes to his, like, lawyer and basically, yeah, puts the money points together. And within three months, he's going to be at zero. And his only opportunity now is to sell his California estates. How would I sell my Detroit properties? Uh, you'll have three months for that. So, uh, okay, he really doesn't want to sell his L.A. place. So what does he do? Fucking idiot goes and flies off to Detroit to, like, go and flip his Detroit properties, which at a time when you're an actor who did a movie in Detroit, you probably did buy a property while you were filming there and try to turn it over, flip it, make a bunch of money because when actors are staying in these houses and Airbnbs all the time. So that makes sense. A lot of people don't see that. I think this being directed by an actor, it, that gives you that. Like, he knew what he was talking about. Yes, you, you could definitely tell he knew what he was writing. Yeah, like he, that happens in real life, yes. And like that's when 
he flies off to it to Detroit like again. Like, dude, you understand you're being like in a scenario. When he gets there and his fucking lawyer calls him, hey, yeah, um, why are you why are you somewhere else? You should really be home at this point, you know. <laughs> I know you want to liquidate your your rental properties and all that, but same like your lawyer is telling you, you really shouldn't have done that being on a plane. There's because a, this makes him look guilty, you guys. He, him he, fleeing. And he asked the lawyer, like, what, you were talking about jail time? Yes, we're possibly talking about jail time. Like, yeah, you leave when there's possible jail time. And no, you don't leave the country. You don't leave the state. I mean, you don't go to another four hours away state. Don't do that. Yeah, it, it was uh, honestly not his best move. No, not at all. <laughs> so Not in the movie and not it with the uh, rape allegations. It was just not a good thing for him all around. <laughs> yeah, so when AJ finally gets to Detroit, he's just there basically liquidate his, uh, liquidate his rental properties in there to see how much, like, how he can sell it for all this. He gets there and he automatically what the fuck? He's like, it's a lot of what the fuck scenes of him. Like, dude, 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 because he keeps seeing, like, proof that, like, somebody or people were in his house and there's not supposed to be people in that house because he calls... The, the property manager and they think no no one's renting your house and nobody's been there for weeks so from the last part where we saw Tess to the day that Justin arrives at the home it's been two weeks a couple weeks at least yeah because remember the cleaning company comes every two weeks actually the cleaning company only comes when somebody's about to rent the place is what they say on the phone oh so nobody actually was there because nobody has rented it since they left, supposedly. Exactly. Okay, good, good, good point on your end there. I like that. All right, so, <laughs> so AJ, I love when he gets in there after doing He's He keeps finding like suitcases. I'm going to find And he's like trying to be like, I have a gun. Can you come up here now and just leave? And he's like trying to be a man. But he goes down there and eventually discovers the hidden tunnel. But if, unlike any normal person, like say you or I or anybody, being afraid of this snare, he just goes and he sees when his statement he goes with a state measure measuring, taking notes for the spaces in this creepy space. When he sees the room with the bed, with the fucking camcorder, he moves shit out of the way to take space with the tape measure. Like, yeah, wow, dude, you, like, do you have any sense at all? Like, wow, he's totally jaded. Like, Hollywood has totally jaded AJ. Yeah, like, he's he's not putting two and two together that. This is the recipe for an oh shit cookie. Thank you. And then <laughs> it has to take to the point where he walks into said room where you walk in and there's a video on TV, which creeped me out personally, playing a whole breastfeeding video, you know? Oh, oh yeah. The uh the instructional manual video of how you breastfeed as a new as a new mother. From the nineteen fifties or the early nineteen sixties, so it's very old. Yeah. And then Something grabs his tape measure. Oh no! And it goes flying. Yeah, so he runs. He's doing his shit, trying to flee. But the, again, we get the deformed woman, floppy. You know what's and all. Oh we, my god! You know, like you could do that. You could do the description on that one because I don't want to. I don't want to like go out of my bounds as a man here. You know, there there is no going out of your bounds when you describe the, this deformed woman because it is a man that. Yes, thank you. You spoil it already, but yes, we have to say this to everybody. This is and a man. 
who's playing Mother's character, the former woman who we're going to say is, the name is Mother, but it's played by a great actor, a theater actor as well. That's, we're seeing a lot of horror movies here with these great theater actors. Now, you do see, you see the boobs. You, The bodysuit was so well done that you don't see the lady bits, I will have to say. Uh, I agree. And yeah, Patrick, I, I, Patrick I Davis. I don't think I saw that. Patrick, Patrick Davis, who plays the the foreign woman, like the mother whose mother did a great job, like with all this. Zach, I'm going to tell you though, they did an amazing job on making that bodysuit, like the the fun bags, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were some scary boobs. Like they hung down to her. Oh my god, I, these things could go over like your whole body as you're asleep. You know. It was so creepy, and like this deformed woman is not wearing any clothing at all. No, it's just like this really oversized fucking deformed woman, you know? Yes, very, very much so. Almost like something we would see on Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, like you look and have a basketball player down there, and she's still taller than him. Oh, without a doubt. She's like, quite tall. Yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> it's just creeping over you. Got the claws, yeah. Really oversized nails coming at you and oversized saggy fun bags uh, yeah <laughs> hashtag that maybe hashtag that poor justin oh, Justin has to go through like becoming a and a walrus now he has to do with this but he's going to do with something a little nastier in a bit oh i feel so bad for him in the in a part but I'm yeah so the next part is i love it this is like we get this flashback scene and out of nowhere, I love it. Again, like the director gives us another horror nod. And it's 1980s. He shows us the house's original owner with one of my favorite songs, which is a favorite from Supernatural. We know what we're talking about. Heat of the Moment playing in the background by Asia. And yep. And we get introduced to Frank, played by our horror icon favorite, Richard Brake. Rich Brake, yes. I love that casting. That casting was perfect. I love Rich Brake. And it's like you don't you don't see his face for like the first few minutes, and he's in the the no, shopping it's the back room. of his head. Yeah, and then we find out he's shopping and looking for like baby stuff and other mysterious, oh, creepy things. Stuff. I uh, yeah, mysteriously questionable, creepy things that the shop aid woman is happier than anything in the world to help him. You know, oh, she has such such a great sense of customer service. Oh, there's no. You know this is the 80s because and there's no customer service like that now. Like, oh, let me help you find every single item you need, you know? Is is it the 80s? Because the yeah, 80s. does later say that uh, Mama has been down there for about 40 years. No, because it's the 80s because, like, in the car, you hear him putting it on the radio. And it's like, these are the sounds of the 81. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's definitely the 80s. Oh, yeah, and... that is 40 years, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we're we're not with 2022. It's like yeah, it's definitely. I keep forgetting my age. <laughs> I guess she, it would be over 40 years. That, yeah, at this point, we're, we're aging ourselves big time. I know. Ask everyone. We're old. Leave us be. <laughs> hey, my walker I, has some nice stickers on it. <laughs> my walker has got like Nightmare on Elm Street and Michael Myers stickers on my knees put on there for me. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so we see him, gets in his car, he looks over, review, sees this one woman, looks at the car, follows the car, goes to her house, 
don't know if that's his real job, real life. Pretends he's whatever job he's doing. Goes I in think there. That is his actual job because he does have the actual um, the the uniform. Yeah, in the eighties, like that's a perfect job to have if you want to do the shit he's doing. I think you know. I think so. And what does he do? He abducts her, and we find out he's been abducting women, holding mm-hmm. them captive in this tunnel. Yep. And he would then use the hidden room to videotape himself, not only raping these women, but then raping the subsequent children and on. Yes. So that, he's just inbreeding babies down there left and right. I was going to say, Barbarian, the title, really gives us the title. Actually, point. actually, I know where the title comes from, and it has nothing to do with that. Are you going to wait later and tell us all? I do have some fun facts, and uh, this is kind of like you kind of gave me a segue to do a little fun fact there. Do it. Okay. The house's address, what is it? It's 476 Barbary Street, correct? Yes. The year 476 was actually the year the barbarians invaded Rome, and that's where they got the, the name for the title, Barbarian, even though Krager claims that this was unintended and completely coincidental. I think not. Bullshit. That is too coincidental to have been an accident. Why'd you call a barbarian then, bro? Like, tell us, you know? Exactly. I would love to get him on, like, on our podcast. Like, come on, Zach. Like, I'm Zach. You're Zach. Give me the truth. (laughs) Now, come on, Zach. Was that in your notes? No. You kicked me. You kicked my butt in that one. I like that. Oh, I did some research. I like that. I love this movie. (laughs) Yeah, because you've been been waiting to review this movie all week, really. You've been waiting. Oh, yeah. And, like, Monday when people listen to this, people are going to, like, wow, this girl gave us, like, real good facts. And I'm, like, I love that part about it. I have a couple of fun facts for this whole entire podcast, so y'all better listen. Listen, man. Listen, women. Listen, them and they. Listen to her. She's got fun facts. She owns this episode. I'll own one or two episodes. I'm letting Elle own this episode because she's already owning it now. Mm, I ain't gonna own it. I will, I'll co-own it. <laughs> All right, you'll co-own it. I'll give you a little. I'll give you one of the limbs from the shop later on to say thank you for co-owning. All right. All right, that's cool. <laughs> All right. So Tess, <laughs> Tess explains that to like you know that the woman referred to as mother just wants them to act as her children, and she's trying to tell him all this, and he's not really understanding it. When mother gets upset, she gets upset. She's telling him. Listen to did the woman, we, asshole. That's what I said at the screen. Listen did we, to her. Did we, did we skip over the pit part where he fell into a pit? Oh, that's before we, hit, we get the background when he fell into the pit. And we, we had the whole backstory with Richard Brake. He falls into the pit and he finds Tess who tells him, shh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. She, Tess does tell him to behave. And not to be upset, because then if she, if you're upset, mama's upset. Yeah, and you can't help to yell at the screen and be like, listen to the woman, asshole. Asshole. She's Obviously, been down she's there. been down there for quite some time. Listen to the girl. She knows how to survive. Yes, please. And mother starts off creepily from the top, lowering down a little bottle offering. And... <laughs> Letting you know, of course, AJ is going to refuse to drink the milk that the bottle is being offered, a little sacrifice that she's given him. But and mm-hmm. what happens when you piss her off? She drags him away. Yeah. 
But what happens when she drags him away, Al? Oh, poor Justin. She drags him away and takes him to the nursery, which is the room with the TV and the bed and stuff like that. And so I just want to I, I want to breastfeeding video playing in the background. Yeah, but I want to say this part. I love the sounds. I have this so much in my notes. The, the note, the, the sounds from the video. This is per perfectly acceptable. And then, then another one. And soon becomes a pleasurable experience. Mother oh. and child. Oh, and that's when we get you go. She's got Justin, poor Justin, freaking out, trying to get away, and she is trying to breastfeed Justin. Those disgusting, deformed, discolored, hairy, and dirty, saggy, nasty boobs in his face. Like, really, she's, like, really, like, getting, these are, like, bigger than, like, my arm, and she's really getting it in, the, in his mouth, like, and he's, like, no, and she's, like, ah, you know? Like, the, the woman's deformed, so these are not normal boobies. These are freaking deformed boobs. Yes. Like, very terrifying-looking monster-like boobs. Like, the nipple's not really in the same place where a nipple should be, you know? No, no, they're not. They're, they're, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the first thing I said was, "Oh my God, what are those?" <laughs> I and really, I'm a female. <laughs> you gotta say whoever designed that bodysuit and that whole prosthetic was like totally out there with the team, and they're like, "All right, let's do another fucking, let's do another smoke break. Here's a shot. Let's do a line. What can our fucking twisted minds come up with now? Oh shit, the nipple should be there. Okay, you know." They really went Chernobyl, Hills Have Eyes, Wrong Turn kind of feel to this this bodysuit, this character. They really did an amazing job at creating something that does not actually exist. I agree. It was very different. It was totally like something creative that we haven't seen. And again, another, again, this is a scene in 2022 with originality. Originality should be the term for horror movies in 2022. <clears throat> not Scream. Yeah. <clears throat> the same. Scream can suck soggy donkey balls. Yeah, I saw it. I was on TV today, and I said that actually to the screen. You better buy my hoodie then if you said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Tess takes the opportunity to flee, wouldn't you, at this point? And she's, like, trying her best to get out of the house. Eventually does. But with the help of Andre, we find out his name is, the homeless man who chased mm. her earlier. He pulls her out of the basement window. That basement window is like a godsend to this whole movie. It like really I is. I mean, it's Mama like, even chases her. Yeah. I mean, Mama almost grabs her out. And Mama, with, with, even with the saggy ass, weirdo fucking Mongo movie thing, she's like almost out the window, you know? Yeah. And Andre, did you say his name was? Yeah, Andre. He sees Mama. He knows about Mama. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's a known I think a lot of people in the town know about that house and like stay away from that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, even when he she went on the interview. I think that person probably knew that house was like some kind of like because even that scene you get in the, the back in the the flashback, right? For Richard Richard Blake's neighbor, like we're moving out of the neighborhood, and everybody's like you see kind of everybody's moving out of the neighborhood at that time in the eighties. Mm -hmm. So he probably got like Buck Wild and got to do whatever he wanted in that house. There was no neighbors. He's like, I'm bringing two women home a day. I'm gonna rape them and video them and have them kids and rape these kids. You know, like let's go fucking balls to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And like Andre, like she's like telling Andre, I have to go back in. There's someone in there. We need to have. And he's he's not he's not hearing all that. And he warns Tess not to stay in the neighborhood as the monster ventures outside at night. To hunt. Yeah, to hunt at night. That's why like, when mother went out the window, she couldn't really then come all the way out. At night, though, it's fucking fair game for mother. You know what I have. I have to say, I don't think anybody lived in that neighborhood. If you'll notice, all the houses are almost like ruins. No, exactly. Like, remember when Tess first got home, right? And you get the original scene with Andre chasing her down, and she looks around at first and sees during the, it's during the day now. She went there during the night, so she couldn't see anything. There are no cars. There's nobody outside. No, there's like no house that looks not disheveled. Other like, than this, this place that's being Airbnb. I'm like, really? Where did you get that the- alone should tell you something is not quite right here. Like, what did you rent this place for? Like two hundred dollars? Like seriously? Like this just could have been like high market prices. I would have been a bit um, scared just seeing this nice house in a really rundown, ruined neighborhood where there is nobody. Yeah, and then like, it's so weird because later on you see like when they're going somewhere else, there's actually cars and stuff around, but again, no people. Mm-hmm. It's like what? <laughs> I think that's because Mama got everybody. Maybe Mama got her babies. And I'm just gonna say you might want to listen, to Andre. You know, listen again. Another one. Listen. Just listen to people when they tell you things. This man uh, obviously knows what he is talking about. Yes. This man is truth. Listen to that truth. <laughs> That's all I need oh. to say. She goes from Andre to the police. Oh, that is amazing. That's a great scene. Because she stumbles away. No, she first stumbles away into, like, what, a gas station. And she's able mm-hmm. to find And then when the police finally get there, they're so dismissive of her. Thinking she's on drugs, blah, anything, blah, blah. You know, she anything. looks like she would be a homeless crack whore. She does look like that because she's been down in that tunnel for two, maybe three weeks. She's not been eating right. She's pale. She's dirty. She's obviously losing her fucking mind because she's been down there. And it doesn't really help when she declares, I'm not a crackhead. I'm not a psycho. There's a man in danger. I'm like, hmm. She's also in hysterics, of course, because of the trauma she's just gone through for however long. Once again, cops are not too friendly to when you start with the line off. I'm not a crackhead. Especially in the big cities. You know as well as I do, the big city cops do not, don't take a lot seriously. Yeah. So she does get the cops to go back to the to go back to the house with her. She does. She does. But what do they do? Nothing. They refuse. They say that you don't have keys to this house. You don't own this house. Uh, and the cop, like I love that cop says, there's no sign of danger here. And that's when they get a call about, and she's banging on the door. Now she's like, I wish to arrest you and bring you to the station. You're lucky, but they get a call to go to something that like another crime they have to head tend to. They are completely dismissive of everything she is trying to tell them. Exactly. And then this is going to be my AJ, you're going to get your karma on, buddy, moment. And at the same time that's happening, um, this is when AJ finally attempts to escape and ventures deeper into the tunnels. And I'm like, how many fucking tunnels are in this place? He, and that's when we find the room that Mother is seemingly frightened of. You know, she's at one point 
he sees he sees her, but she won't follow him into the room. No, and she's I, lurking in the shadow. She's coming out of the shadow, and AJ goes back a little bit more. And she's and like, hell no. She's out of there. Yep, and we discover a bed-bound, really great makeup effects, Frank. Oh, that, yeah. Because that is Richard Brake in makeup, and I loved it. Yes. And it's that, that's like the police will, and he's telling them, the police will come investigate. Like, you know, he's like telling them all this shit. And that's when AJ discovers tapes. And I gotta say, as a man, that was disgusting to me because you're looking through all the titles. You know, this is not above board. The titles of these these tapes is descriptions of his victims. Yes. Redhead girl. No. Gas station, uh, gas station redhead. That I know you'd love. Thank you. Yep, I need to love that title. Gas station redhead girl. Mm-hmm. And even him at this point, he is completely disgusted, or feels his own shame finally. Well, he doesn't know what these are until he actually watches one of the tapes. Yeah, when you put when he puts on gas station redhead and. Yep. You hear the sounds of it, and what the fuck is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And the whole time, Frank had time to discreetly retrieve his hidden revolver and blow his brains out. Yeah. Now, mind you, Frank doesn't say one word. No, but like when AJ says he's going to have the cops come there, if Frank's still alive and the cops come there, Frank's fucked. So he's like, I'm killing, I know I've been down here forever. I'm still going to kill myself. I'm not going to go to jail for two years off of my life, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much just guilt, and I fucking that's basically you're a coward. That was a cowardly like suicide. I think I think honestly, Frank was dying anyways. I mean, think about all the moisture, the mildew, the black mold, all that that he's breathing in for forty years. He he he's barely able to breathe. He can't talk. He's coughing up whatever gunk is in his lungs. Like the guy's on his deathbed. He's just gonna end it now. He, is he don't care. He's just damn lucky that that whole time he still had that gun in that drawer and had these had a bullet still in there, you know? I, I'm surprised that gun and the bullets did not corrode in the moist air that's down in there. You like to think that. You know, maybe that drawer was very highly protective. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you think that's a possibility, please send us in your Q&A on that. I personally think that in reality, that gun would have been corroded after 40 years. That's just my opinion. Your opinion stands strong with me. I agree. I don't think that gun, I think that bullet would have evaporated at some point, been corroded. I think the gun wouldn't be able to shoot at that point. I'm going to pull some country girl crap out. I I was raised in a hunting family. My daddy always cleaned his guns every time he went to go use them. And there was always gunk in them. So after 40 years, I'm telling you, there, there's no way that gun was going to work that well. Ah, that'd be a lot of gunk. Yeah, after 40 years? Oh, yeah. Yes. All right, so then, uh, then we get Tess. She runs back. She, like, she retrieves her keys from the house. She gets in there, and, you know, she's trying to get out. But Mother is on the prowl there. Tess Mother's runs always on the prowl. Fuck yeah, Mother knows her shit. It's what and Tess she runs is her. fast. Yeah, it's what Tess runs her car into the Mother. Uh, Pinning her between the car and the house. The house that's pretty much halfway into the house now. You know, it's in the house yes. now. And you think Mama's dead. You think you she's do. done. And her, Tess, being the um, really kind soul she is, returns to the basement to rescue AJ. Uh, but this AJ has the gun that Frank had. And 
he accidentally shoots. Yeah. Yep. He shoots her in uh, the stomach, I think. Yep. No good deed done. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I probably would have made the same mistake too. In the dark with a gun, I'm shooting whatever's moving. Uh, from me. You, there's only one thing. It's big, monstrous, like weird titty person. Like I don't think Tess even looks close to that. Sorry. But he's in the dark. You got to remember, he's in the dark. He's frantic. He doesn't. He can't see too well. And he hears something. He shoots. This is. You understand? If Elle ever gets arrested, she's going to use the defense. She was frantic. Yeah, I'm going to be like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was crazy at the moment. <laughs> Oops. Defense lawyer. Dum, dum. Get a band aid. Get a band aid. Damn. <laughs> but he, he, I love like he's so squir squirmish and squeak. He's such a like a little bastard. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He just keeps apologizing. And the two, the, the two finally didn't mean to hurt her. Yeah, uh, that's when he finally. I think this is when he's finally like all in his head, becoming like I'm a scumbag. You know. This is when. Uh, he gets to the homeless man with Tess, and he's sitting there self-reflecting when he yes. says he's a scumbag. And that's when Andre explains that Mother is a product of multi-generational incest by Frank, and says incestual rape. Yeah, thank you. You're better off. Oh. Yes, <laughs> and says so she comes into this motherfucker just as we see, and he won't. She won't come into this motherfucker. That's what he says. But. Out of nowhere, as he says that, mother rips him apart. Mother rips that motherfucker apart. Sorry, man. Andre, you're a good man. He was trying to help. He gets ripped apart, killing him terribly, I must say. And you see Tess and AJ, and they run up a water tower. And that's when AJ becomes full scumbag just along. Yup, you can you gotta be scumbag just along in the end, too, buddy, right? This right. move he did pissed me off. Oh, well, one of us, you already heard, one of us, can, can I, we can run. And he fucking pushes her off the water tower. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to tell it because you're, you're glossing over that one. He says, one of us can get away, but you, you can't run. You have to slow her down. He grabs Tess by the hair and throws her off of the roof and says, get your fucking baby. He fucking gives her up for prey. Like, he's totally like... If this doesn't, I think this defined him as scumbag in the beginning, had some redemption, became full on scumbag again. Pissed me off. <laughs> he should be cast as every scumbag going forward. I could, this was the moment in the movie where I gasped. I had my hand to my face. I'm like, oh, he did not because it's Justin Long. Yes, he can be a douchebag, but not that big of a douchebag. I was totally shocked. But Tess does not get hurt because guess what? Mother jumps after Tess, shielding her from said fall. Fuck you, AJ. Yep, yep. That's when AJ finally attempts to rationalize his actions once again, once again, the second time. After you shot her, then you purposely threw her off a water tower uh, to Tess and try to be like, I'm sorry again, like little puppy dog guys. But Mother awakens because he thought Mother was dead and rips that fucking head open. First of the eyes. I love the eye shot. Yes. Just like in Jeepers Creepers, she went for the eyes. Way better done, though. Oh, yeah. This was like eyeball jelly oozing down the thumbs to the wrists. And, ugh, and he's screaming in pain. Mind you, this only takes a second. And then she rips his skull right now. Like, right there. Like, you see it, like, the back of the skull. She just rips it from the front. Like, you know? I mean, you see the blood and the 
grossness inside kind of string apart. Oh, it was great. I love that. And then after this is done, mother just wants to try to confront, confer, I mean, comfort Tess, comfort her, be the mom. She's her mom now, you know, and wants to take her back to the house. And she's like, Tess, like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And out of nowhere, like this came like out of a second. She shoots and kills mother like that, you know, like boom, with that yes. gun. You didn't even know she had the gun. You didn't even know. Yes, you, you you actually see her reaching for the gun. Yeah, but you didn't even know until that scene she had the gun nearby her. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. nice. And mother is done, finally. And you just see, as credits start to roll, you just see her walking to the stomach, 100% stumbling away and rises, making her way. Fuck you, cops, if you think I'm cracking now. I don't have a bullet in my fucking stomach, you know? <laughs> it was... Honestly, honestly, I, I felt bad for Mama. Yeah, because Mama, it's hard. Ma, Mama was a product of such nasty hatred. And it, she's not, she, uh, I, yeah, there's no way you can actually say she's a villain in my mind, you know? Now, okay, this is what happens. Uh, she was raised by Frank in those tunnels. She doesn't know right from wrong she just knows the evil harshness that frank has raised her with and he she's conditioned been, her this way and she's been played these videos her whole life like to be a mother yes so all she knows is to be a mom and she sees these people as her babies yeah that's all she just wants to love these babies that's it and the most appropriate song they had they, i love how they chose this to pick to end up this movie was be my baby, be my little baby. It's like, uh, nice. You had to pick that classic song, Be My Baby. It's like, nice. Zach, Gregor, good job with that, too. You know? Well, I don't think it was just Zach that uh, did this, though. I mean, him as writer, director, and his team, the whole team did a great job on scoring and makeup effects, um, vocation scouting, uh, everything, you know? I am going to give a shout to Jordan Peele. He had an invisible hand in um, actually shaping the eventual story as Krager and he are really good friends. Um, Zach was talking to him while writing this story out and um, Peele was giving his opinions and helping him to come up with the film. And so in a way he, he influenced how this movie would pan out. Yeah, because like I remember Gregor, like he had an idea for a movie, and he he went to the premiere of Us, and him and Jordan Peele uh, were together at a film festival, and he had this whole Q and A with Jordan Peele, and from there on, they became really good friends even more, and he helped him really come up with a concept for like his full vision for this mm -hmm. movie. I got even he I think he even helped them pick certain people on his team to help him make the movie. Yes, yes, but he uh, he's not officially part of the movie. He just happened to be friends with Zach Krager and he helped him to develop this amazingly deep story. Yeah, which uh, 100% got really great reviews around the board. 100% uh, when it first came out trailer-wise. I think people thought it was more of like a thriller, you know? Did you know that this movie made 11 times what they actually yeah. put into it? Yes, yeah. They, I think uh, it was $4.5 that it took to make the film and they made well over $45 million. And for them to film and shoot in Detroit, which they did, that's Tax Break Central. So you saved uh -huh. a shitload of money at the beginning of this. So that was a big payout for everybody. I agree. I think there's a lot of people who walked home happy from that one. 
I would have. <laughs> all right, before we give our reviews, all right, so I think we kind of gave reviews, but we're going to give our actual review, our like actual scores. I mean, like in a second, I like to mention our sponsors that are great to us TGE.company, which is a hardworking company, friends of myself and Al's now, and they always focus on great products such as Mesco toys, pop vinyls, and much more. You can always check them up at www.whatnot.com slash user slash tge.collectibles they go live i think every friday around 8 p.m um they change times a little bit so you have to check that out the site also sells my personalized 12 eyeliner pencil collection you can purchase from them and please use our discount code all lowercase chop shop for 10 percent of your entire order next can, can i say something about yeah. your eyeliner yes babe please uh zach's eyeliner uh, line does promote anti-bullying so it it does go to help a cause. Thank you. You're very welcome. You should put that out there. I'm going yeah, to talk about that sometimes. But I like when you talk about it. That's nice of you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, a second sponsor is Blood Witch Unlimited. Great friends of ours. And also the owner of it, JD, is a great film horror review like, critic as well. And his company focuses on all things dark. Just in time for the holiday season. Any holiday you celebrate, if you'd like to celebrate Krampus, Santa, a Jewish holiday, any holiday, he's got a great item for you. It's the Wolfman t-shirt. As the company loves classic horror movies, this was one of the films that was pivotal in creating the genre we all love. Yes, it was. So remember, no saviors, look within. This is going to be um, basically a limited time item that he has on the site. Very limited. It'll probably be sold out by January, so get your hands on it now. And shop now at w.bloodwitchunlimited.com and follow them on Instagram at bloodwitchunlimited.com. Let them Absolutely know that Zach. amazing stuff. Yes, let them know that Zach and Al from the Chop Shop sent you. And start a conversation with them. Tell them how cool we are and how great our podcast is sponsoring them. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Al, pray for us clothing. Yes. With the wedding getting a bit more colder and nippily, uh, uh, or like, you know, maybe mother needs one of these. Uh, you know, Definitely they, have, needs one. <laughs> they have the hat needs that we all need there. Black metal beanies, death metal beanies, great gifts from Krampus for the holidays. Follow them at IG at pray for us clothing and pray for us clothing.com and let them know the shop shop sent you. Thank Get you. Get your stocking stuffers. Yes. All right, Al. So what would you like to Score this at a one to five level of knife scores here. We're going to score it now. You go first. Barbarian actually does not get a five at all from me. This is the only time I have ever given a movie this, this rating. This got a six. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Wow. I've you, never given a six. You've literally gave the best rating of our first episodes of this whole season. I think that this movie went so well with uh, not not only sympathizing, but helping us to understand nurturing um, and how you raise your children. This is how people become what they are in the future, in their later life. Mother was nurtured this way. This is how she turned out. She was a product of her raising. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, very beautifully said. Uh, it's it's a very psychological thing for this movie, and I, I just I think that Craig did a beautiful job of telling the story. 
yeah. All right. That's I applaud your whole how why you even like, scored it that way. Dang. Wow. I blew me away. Okay. Let me try to let me try now to follow that up. Uh, all right. I'm giving I'm giving a five. Which, which is like, I didn't know I was going to six, you know, she did, went to the six. So I respect that six, my five. But this movie to me had issues that you can really see of mental health, um, a lot of uh, family issues. It had a lot of people understanding who they truly are issues. It had connection issues. It had hurt. It had real people dealing with real situations and trust issues. Yes. Yeah, so, trust issues. So many things that were like thrown at you, but if you paid attention, were well designed, characters were well designed, the trust issues in the beginning part of this movie between Skarsgård and the Tess character, I think that was a great team up. I really love the fact that they put this movie in a place in America where it makes true sense. Another movie made in this place in America was um, the, 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 that one film with uh, when he was blind and they robbed his house, that came out a few years back. They made a sequel to it, and that was Detroit too. A lot of these really gritty movies. Oh, uh, don't breathe. Don't breathe. Yeah, don't breathe was filmed in Detroit too. So was one of my favorite movies. It follows. They make a lot of these grittier films in these places because the scenery is ninety nine point nine believable. It's so much easier for us to become fans of a movie when the scenery is believable. I kind of, my passion about these horror films and actual movies in general are scenery. And when I could actually dive myself into the film and feel like I'm there, which I did with this film, I am more scared. I'm more, I'm more alive watching it. I, I applaud Zach for doing this. I also applaud his casting choices. Um, this is situations of bringing into the allegations of rape with this actor and how the world does now work. Like, yeah, you're, you're fucking canceled, bitch, for doing shit like that. I love that whole respectful thing right there because that's been something that really should be focused on sometimes in these movies. As if you're playing a douchebag actor from L.A., I do think that should be mentioned. And um, just the storyline alone with Mama and with the mother, like, she is not a villain to me. She's not a hero to me. It's just very unfortunate and disgusting. And the fact that there's been decades of this disgustingness happened you can't blame anybody really, but Mama the is nothing. Mama is only compassion. She she's a monster, but she is a compassionate monster. She is full of love, wanting to love something, but she just doesn't know how. Yeah, and I could say the the actual villains of this movie are Frank, obviously, but also mm -hmm. the, the the actual city that knows that they know that something goes on in that house, and they don't actually warn you. It's like just don't. I'm gonna tell you what happens. Then. Don't go there. Don't don't give you a. Don't give me a. Blah blah warning. Give me a don't go fucking in there because you'll be killed. And I'll I'll listen to you when you say that. But this these people know what probably is going on there, and they're not saying a damn word. So, somebody has to know something. I mean, the, there's too many coincidences. There, it's just odd that this one house is still standing and looking pristine in this one particular neighborhood. Oh, if it, you it, haven't it, seen it, this movie, you don't quite get it. Isn't it odd to you that the place was double booked and when they called, they, you know, nobody knew about it two being double booked? Two different companies were putting this house up for rent. So, yeah, how many companies are in charge of this property, which is unknown of in real estate, you know? I thought that was kind of odd because I thought only one company could rent a place you, out. One company only has a direct listing in any real estate company in any city. That's in what America. I thought. 
That's yeah, what so I thought. This so is somebody like, knows something. This could have a whole like prequel where you find out we find out like Andre used to be a businessman, but he was fired and, and they threw him out in the streets because he knew too much about the house, you know. Andre did happen to know quite a bit about the house. He knew quite a bit about Frank. He knew a lot about Mama. He's obviously had interactions with Mama. He knows her her habits. Uh, he knows her characteristics. And possibly, you know, this now, the real estate companies are two, but they're actually one company pretending to be two. And they are sending people to Airbnb in this place so Mama can have some children now. I honestly think that, yes, they know about Mama. Yeah, I think that could be a thing because, you know, mother does come out at night. Well, what's better than her coming out at night and coming after you and other people when she's got her own kids now? It's true. Ah. I mean, if, if, she, if she's getting delivered her babies, she has no reason to go out and hurt anybody else or attack or, you know, pull anybody back in. Exactly. I think this could be a whole like series right now, right? I think maybe, we, maybe the city is behind it. We could create the prequel right now. We could. We, I think we have. We just laid the whole ground. We laid the whole like groundwork with like the, the, the print of the original story here to lead to a prequel. We could probably make this a five episode hour long thing on Amazon just to lead to it at this point, you know. I mean, come on. The cops were so nonchalant about everything they, they, they do in they, that house. They were totally not even trying to be, like, going in that house. They were like, yeah, no, you know? Like, but they weren't, like, acting bitchy about it. They weren't like, oh, no, we don't we don't really need to go in there. They're like, no, there's no nothing wrong here. You know, move along. Nothing to say. I'm sorry. If I'm the cops, right, and I see the only house on a whole block that's still standing and looking decent, and she, this girl says she was locked in a house or something like that. house is gorgeous. Did you actually look at it? Yeah, and every house around it is, like, in shambles. Yes. It's so strange. I obviously, as a police officer, would go and check something out in this house. I would be suspicious of the one house that does not fit. Yes. Like, come on. Come come on. (laughs) All right, so out of your kills, one each, what was your favorite kill? My favorite kill, um, I'd have to say Justin's. Me too. I have to say, when his eyes were being clawed into, that was like a boss moment for me. That was like, no. that was like, yeah, just desserts, you know? Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest. There wasn't a whole lot of kills in this because it's mostly Mama running after Justin and Tess. Uh, AJ and Tess, I'm sorry. Um, I think there's Bill's death. There's Justin's, Mama's, and Frank's. That's it. Oh, and, and Andre. Yeah, but like, that was a really well done kill like andre like was kill was really well done um aj's eyes being clawed into very nicely and head ripped in front of heart very well done scars girls head bashing i think you wanted all along and most people probably wanted so yeah i am not a scars guard fan so for me to see him get his head bashed in in a movie i really liked it he did a very good job at dying so i'm just this is the first time I've ever liked him in a role and nothing against Skarsgård. It's just, he creeps me out. <laughs> but um, I'd have to say my favorite, yeah, my favorite death is Justin's for the gore factor, but um, on an emotional level, mama's mama's death actually left me somewhat breathless and a little bit sad. Yeah. Yeah. But Tess had to get the fuck out. She doesn't want to be someone's you know, kid down there. The rest of her life she wants to go back to her life now she's right right she's i understand that Come yeah on. totally understandable 
But you know what? I think Tess did Mama a favor. Mama yeah. could never have been part of this world. No, I know. So instead of her living another 30 years um, down in that, that tunnel, she, she set her free. She liberated her. She, she put her out of her misery. She really did. I think that was kind of a mercy killing in a lot of ways. It really was. Like mother, like mother needs to like just be in peace at this point. If you're any kind of decent soul, like put her to her peace, please. You know, very much like in Alien Resurrection, where you find the clones of Ellen Ripley and they're they're asking her to kill them. You just got to do it. You got to let them go. Yeah, me do. Let their pain be over. Please let their pain be over. And great reference, by the way. Of course, I was going to ref reference Alien. And since we were talking about Bill Skarsgård, I must have I have to tell you, this is going to be kind of like a news segment I want to do every week, and you can do as well. I recently saw the trailer for this great new movie where I think you'll be in town at the time. We're going to see it. It's called Infinity Fool, and it's good starring Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood and Mia Goth. And it's like insane. And it's directed by David Cronenberg's son. Really? Yes. It's I've like not seen this. You yet. must see this trailer. And listeners, feel free to go on websites and look at YouTube and look for Infinity Pool starring Skarsgård and Mia Goth. Mia Goth, man, has been killing it since X Pearl. Now this. Then she's going to be a new one, Maxine. That's a th it's a, the third one to so the whole X uh, trilogy. It's you got her and Jenna Ortega over there fighting <sighs> for the. I know that's the battle though right now. Jenna Ortega, and Mia Goth being the next big horror splatter screen queen, and I'm going with Mia Goth. I'm going to have a Mia Goth marathon just to see what everybody's hype is on her. Well, I've known Mia Goth since. Um, that movie with Dame Dehane, like uh, I posted about it, like the title is rolling off my head right now. And oh, um, uh, something it's really disturbing. Look at one of my posts, you'll see it. It's very much came up many years ago. She was great, she was introducing that, but then she was in that whole Nymphomaniac thing, which is like hard to watch at all. But she was so brave in that thing. And she was a great, great actress out of everybody in that. And then she goes on. She went out with Shibel, 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 I hate him, whatever his name is. I hate that motherfucker. And they had this whole weird relationship where she beat the shit out of him. He beat the shit out of her. You know, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, man, he pisses me off. He really does. Like, I just don't ever want to say his name. How that little asshole gets to go out with all these girls. And he fucking makes a movie about himself. And casts himself as his actual father in the movie. That is like, wow. You're an asshole, even more. Somebody's got himself full of himself. <laughs> like, how do you make a movie about you when you play the dad? It, I, it, it hurts very your head. Very self-centered. Very self-centered. You, it hurt my head so much. It was like, ah, oh, oh, my eyes started. I think I, had, I really got a migraine watching it. Like, because he's like my dad. He's and then later on he goes in an interviews like my dad actually wasn't that bad. I'm like, why'd you make him look like a douchebag in the whole movie, Dad? You know. <laughs> You directed it. You wrote it. You started it. It's just he, he contradicts himself left and right. Yes, it's fucking insane. Oh, and uh, another movie. Have you seen the trailer for Killer the the Killer Doll movie, Megan? Yes, I have, and I have got to see it. 
I gotta tell you, that's an actual actress playing the doll. That's fucking weird. I know it's an actual actress playing the doll. I cannot wait to see it. No, it's just weird. It's like it is wow. weird, and that's what attracts me to this movie. Like, like it's so, so weird. So good at the whatever they did, makeup, prosthetics to her. I applaud you guys because that's not CGI shit. I hope. I hope that it's totally. I hope that it's totally special effects and makeup because she looks amazing as a like not a person, you know. As a not a person. Yeah, she looks like a fucking doll. Because my my niece has a lot of dolls. They're kind of creepy, and she looks like one of these creepy dolls my niece has, like with the real eyes and shit, you know. That's why I really want to see it because, like, they, as you said, they did an incredible job with making her look like a doll. I don't know. Maybe 2023 might be like the next big coming year because we're we're seeing a lot of good stuff being like. Finally, Trick or Treat Two is gonna come out next year. There's gonna be a lot of different movies coming out next year. Terrifier Three might be out by next year as well. It better be out by next year because I need a I need a third Terrifier. I need some more art. They already yeah they already got the script. They already signed on to do it, of course, because they could make about five more if they want with the money they made. And he's got a he's got four or five movies in his mind, right? He said so. He's good. And I think that 2022 was an amazing year, but I think it opened up the doorway for 2023 for bigger, bloodier, terrible, freaking horror movies. And I think that this coming year, it's just going to burst and we're all going to be like, holy cow, like horror is going to take over 23, I think. I think it took over 2022. It, it dominated Halloween. It dominated Christmas. It's there. It's dominated the whole half the year. It really has, even the ones you don't like. I think this is just the very tip of the iceberg. I really do. I don't think this is the big year. I think the big year is 23. I think it's coming. Yeah, I hope you're right, because I do see a lot of potential greatness coming out next year. And Mike Flanagan, he, like, he's done with his contract with Netflix. He's with Amazon now for like a 12, 20 picture thing. And he's going to be doing so many miniseries. He's going to be tackling so many of the Stephen, Stephen King novels because he's the only one that's been doing them right. It's going to be great. Stephen King's quite picky about who does his movies. And he loves Mike Flanagan. He loves them. Often he does not like the movies. He doesn't. And he's loved everything Mike Flanagan has done. Yes. Everyone. Yes. Mike seems to be his favorite person to do his movies. Like he said, Dr. Sleep was better than his book. Uh, I believe, yes, he did say that. And I mean, me and my buddy, we love Doctor Sleep. We always we love the book, but we agree, uh, perfectly casted. Um, the book was so much more emotional. That's why Stephen King actually said Mike Flanagan touched the emotional part of the the book part that he really didn't have the emotion when he was writing. Mike Flanagan had the emotion when he was directing. Yes. So that's fucking brilliant to me. So possibly the things I know he can do, I expect he can do. Are things I'm ready to see. I know you're ready to see. Possibly we will be ready to see with him. Like maybe have him on our show. Maybe work with him one day. I think the future is very bright for us. So are you talking about Stephen King or Mike Flanagan? Because he Mike would want to do. Mike <laughs> Flanagan will put us on a bigger speed train. I think Mike Flanagan. I, I, w- I would love to have either one of them on the podcast or both of them. I mean, if we could get both, I, w- I would. I would die happy. Stephen King <laughs> is kind of like that. I wish I can, but I'm not going to. Mike Flanagan, I think, is more doable in reality. Most likely, yeah. Honestly, I'd probably be afraid if we had Stephen King on here. Stephen just... King might school us, you know? 
Oh, he would definitely hand us our asses. <laughs> we might just feel so inadequate, like at some point, like, uh, oh, you want to say something? No, Zach, you're next. I, I, I have a feeling that Steven would be like, you guys are totally poo-pooing all over my movie. If this is not how it's supposed to be, you're not reading into it correctly. So you know, no offense, Mr. King, stay off of our podcast. <laughs> we are like, by the way, we actually like the shiny motherfucker. <laughs> I do like the shiny. Me too. He'll be pissed though. I, I loved it. It's like that's one of his most hated movies forever. Really? Yeah, because he hated the, he hated the whole production. He hated the director. He hated that's the. But I mean, again, he was on massive massive coke and drinking at the time, so he probably doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about. But at the time, everybody would. Everybody was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, seriously, dude, that movie is way better than the, he does the miniseries with like the guy from Wings was better, Stephen Weber. I'm like, what's up? What's wrong with you? No, <laughs> no, 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 it was not. Sorry, it was, I know Rebecca D. Mornay was in it, then whatever, but it still no. sucked. Shelly and Jack were the best. Well, he, he just, I think he truly hated, uh, he didn't want. Um, Nicholson as all at all because he thought I think he really related to Nicholson playing that drunk because he was that drunk when he wrote the book. Right. But... So I think that he just didn't. It was too realistic for him. I think. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, it did hit a little too close to home. Uh, yeah, and again, it was that time, and you you are somebody that's coming up. You're writing like umpteen books some fucking year, man. You're like you're already done. You're like you got to do a pen name now. You got to do this pseudonym name. You got to do this because. And meanwhile, you get Stanley Kubrick, like the biggest director of the time, next to Martin Scorsese and other people, and he's directing this book, and he's making this big project and basically casting two of the biggest stars, Shelley, the you know Shelley the and. Jack Nicholson, Shelley Ball was great, and like the whole Godfather thing. And Jack Nicholson was like the big guy at that point. And at that time, you had all this location that was a bitch to film in, and there was so many mishaps filming this movie with that location of The Shining. It was it was hard as hell to film that movie. I wonder because it's not like they went there and fucking fake snowed the whole place. That's real snow. That's a real yep. property you filmed that. Of Jack course, was like, actually sitting in that snow that was covering his whole body. Yes, Jack Nicholson literally said that was one of the most grueling sets he's ever been on. I believe Shelly said the same thing. Shelly never wanted to do a horror movie again after that. I don't think she did do another horror movie. No, she that was it for her. She was like, I'm done. It was it was intense. It was a lot of days, a lot of weeks, a lot of months. Uh, it took a long time to film. There's some days where they couldn't film because it was too cold. There were some days where heat went off, which they had to have generators. It was terrible. I read this whole book about it. It was like, wow, fucking, that's a production. You would have Stephen King come on set, and they had to ban him because he kept coming down and fucking screaming at Stanley Kubrick. And fucking, they had gone to shouting fights. And eventually, the studio banned Stephen King from even being on set. Wow. I like, can't even imagine being in power enough to tell Stephen King, get your ass out of here. I, I'd be like, this is the best moment of my life. And I'd be saying sorry to Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But you're fucking pissing one of our biggest directors with the biggest budgets right now. And this movie's costing us a lot of money, buddy. But I, you also got to think, you know, Stanley was trying to bring to life Stephen King's 
vision, his story, something, it, it was his baby as a writer myself and you as a writer, Zach, you know what it's like to have your, your stuff misrepresented. So I think that's what Stephen King was worried about was his stuff was being misrepresented. I'm sorry, but there's other movies of his before such that were really misrepresented and he didn't go and do this. I think he just had an ego trip with such another ego trip person. He's, like, a, he's a perfectionist from what I have heard. And Stanley Kubrick's a perfectionist. A perfectionist. So like having two perfectionists. So they clashed. Yeah, bad idea. Like, don't do it. <laughs> you know? I can't imagine he went on to set up like the Langley years and be like, you're making a shitty movie. You probably didn't give a fuck. I'm like, it's a shitty made-for-TV movie. I don't care. So was The Stand. And The Stand, he he liked and did not like in certain interviews. Right? Uh, you know? Depends. I'm not going to go into that. We're going to have a Stephen King hour here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of The Stand, so I'm just going to keep my mouth quiet on that one. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of a lot of the casting in the movie as well. The book was better than the movie, by far. You're never going to be able to make that book into the, what the movie you want to see is. No, never. There's just too much in it. Like, Randall Flagg is such a powerful character. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I Yeah, they try with Matthew McConaughey, but I'm sorry. When you try to do an hour and a half movie to do, a, like, a fucking two-book series that I loved growing up, and gunslinger and all that great stuff and you try to make it an hour and 30 minutes i want to murder you all for doing that our podcasts run about an hour and 30 minutes okay and then, <laughs> this is when we guys this, this is when we get to patreon status so stay with us all the time and wait for if you're doing this in an hour and 30 guys wait till we do patreon it's gonna be sick we're gonna have like we're gonna have rants about john carpenter stephen king monster movies Fans George Romero. And uh, if I'm gonna, I want to ask the listeners: Would you guys like us to have a whole discussion at the end of the year about when we you see how much Elle and I know about horror? Can we rant at the end of our episode? Say yes or no on like the comments you can on Spotify and iTunes and on our Instagram, and let us know if you want to talk about our definition of horror fan horror fans who are actual posers who you know posers exist in every industry, but you know, people who say they're horror fans, horror lovers, but they're actually are killing that title for us all. They're actually lovers. prop horror, like prop horror fans. You know, you know, you know, everybody knows this one person. They have all this merchandise, but they can't name a single movie that is not mainstream, a single director that is not one of the big names. They only know the stuff that even non-horror fans know. Yes, that, that's a fake fan. That's just in order to gain some attention. We'll give you an easier example. All right, you know the guy or the girl who are they or them who always wears the band T-shirt that that from H and M. That's that you asked them to name two songs from that band. They can't do it. Well, that's the same with horror fans who pretend they're horror fans. They have a whole T-shirt collection on their wall. They have prop toys. They have Funko Pops. They post every day, every day, every day on social media, every day. I'm telling you. New collection of toys. You post a movie like L or, Z, or L I do, or one of our friends does. They are like, "Wow, I've never seen that." And me and L look at each other. We're not looking at each other. We're on the phone. We're like, "Are you fucking crazy? You've never seen that?" I think every horror fan has seen that. The fake horror fans kind of annoy me, and I'm I'm not saying anything bad about it. It's just. <laughs> Don't be a poser. If you really are into horror, be into horror, but don't say you're into it if you're not. 
Yeah, guys. And by the way, the Twilight series does not justify horror movies. Hmm? The Twilight series does not justify vampire horror movies, okay? Can I say my opinion on the Twilight movies? Oh, God. Go for it. That is dog shit diarrhea. <laughs> I knew it. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry to the writer. Um, I'm sure that you, you went into this with great expectations and you're proud of it. But it was softcore teenage porn. That's all it was. Thank you very much. You said on point and the story you killed it i think that should be how everybody sees the whole franchise of these movies i think the accuracy does that as well as they get older it just i'm i'm sorry if you like that movie and my opinion ticks you off but my opinion is the opinion of a lot of people <laughs> very much so like 90%. <laughs> All right, so listeners, we, we want to let you know that going forward, this is and, and episode four is going to start us off with the full month of Christmas holiday-like horror films with some extra one-off episodes. They have to be gory, fun. We have to be amused by them. So we're going to be going over all of the place with these kinds of movies. But you got the opportunity to ask us or recommend us a Christmas horror movie Shitty, good, bad, okay, decent, whatever. We'll go through the list. We might pick one. We might review it. We'll shout you out and thank you for it. And then we'll shit on you for making us watch it if we hate it, okay? We won't really shit on you. No, no not really, but verbally. And we, we do not judge anybody for liking anything specific. But we'll make some cracks. Oh, yes, we are going to crack. Yeah, we have to do so. All right, so um, going forward, if you ever need to contact us, you can follow me at Zach, um, Mr. Eyeliner, and uh, you know Zach, Mr. Eyeliner on Facebook or Mr. Eyeliner on IG, or the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop is where you can kind of ask me and help any question anytime of the day, of the week uh, for episodes. Please post encouraging, positive horror things on there, please. No hatred, no bullying. I'm an anti-bullying activist, please. But I don't believe in that bullying shit. We're all here to create a horror community. Remember, hashtag horror movie lovers against bullying. That's what we're about. So follow me there. And Al, where can they follow you? 85 Dark Sparkles. There you go, guys. So follow us both. I hope you enjoyed our episode three of the 2022 movie, Barbarian. I hope Al and I gave you enough information. If you have not seen this movie or seen it, we'll go back and watch it again or see it for the first time because it fucking rocks. After this episode, we are on our sleigh ride through the horror movies for the holidays. We are going to be having mittens on. We're going to have some hats on. We're going to be throwing snowballs and blood across the field. And we're going to be talking about some gory ass shit. Maybe good, maybe bad, but you're going to love our reviews. Don't worry about it. We're going to bring it. We're definitely going to bring it. So this is Zach. That was L. We're the Horror Supernatural Chef Shop duel now. We are loving all the great comments we're getting. Please keep them coming. Hope you guys have a horrifically great bloody week. As George A. Romero, my hero, has always been saying, stay scared. See you at the movies. Watch a horror movie. Makes you a better person. All right? <laughs> Bye, Al. Bye, Zach. <laughs>